0: morning, which is found in Nehemiah chapter 5, and it's verses 1 to 12. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers, for there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money from, for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you are exacting interest, each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, that thing you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, We will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. This is God's word. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful that you bring us into your presence and get us out of the rush, Lord. Um, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, that you work in us. God, I pray this morning that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would move. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody here this morning. We uh, we have some of our guys that went out to the Burly Man Retreat this weekend, that they, they've made it back here. You can tell because they're a little unshaven and... They might smell a little, but they're real burly men, you know. Uh, so we're we're grateful that uh, that they got to go this weekend and uh, and have a great time. Um, this morning we're continuing our study of Nehemiah. Um, if you haven't been with us yet, we've been working through uh, the first four chapters in Nehemiah. Today we uh, we got to chapter five, and uh, so far in our story, Nehemiah has been told by God that. Uh, he needs to finish the project. He needs to rebuild a wall. Uh, this wall was surrounding the town of Jerusalem, and uh, it had some holes that had been beaten down, but now God had uh, provided for, for the Jews, and God wanted them to rebuild this wall. Uh, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. That meant that he tested uh, all the food and the drink that came through to the king and uh, to make sure that it was... Uh, safe for him. And the king allowed his cupbearer to go and build this wall. Um, last week, Pastor Kyle talked uh, about uh, the the different uh, difficulties that they had uh, while they're building the wall. The outside forces, the other nations that were seeing what they were doing, and they were attacking the Jews because they didn't want them to, uh, to have this a wall of protection around them. But they were able to get through these attacks. And God provided for them. Uh, and that's where we find ourselves this week. Uh, after, after fighting against those from other nations who were trying to attack them, the Jews have, have kind of made some headway. They're still working on the wall. God has provided for them. He's protected them. And uh, this week... Um, As I read through Nehemiah chapter five, I had this strange vision. Uh, I had this vision of these old cartoons. You remember the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, where uh, Bugs would be out on a boat, and maybe he would see that there was a a leak that sprung on the boat, and so he would get over there and he would get his hands on it and, and work everything just right so that the leak was plugged and it was okay. And he was holding it and he. He thought it was great, and then all of a sudden over his shoulder over here, he sees another leak. It's springing up, and you know, it's a cartoon, so he probably stretched his leg way out further than he could and uh, to plug this other leak, um, because as Nehemiah was was trying to, to fight through these battles, all of a sudden, um, another leak sprung, and uh, this time, it was an attack from the inside. Uh, they had been fighting off these other nations, and uh, and now we see that there's an interior situation. Um, He's blindsided by this terrible situation. Um, And there's an inner turmoil that's ready to explode. Uh, In verse 1, as I read, we find that the the Jews are crying out about several concerns. Um, First of all, they aren't able to work their land and provide food for themselves because they're out working on this wall. Uh, They have so much attention that's going to that, their time, their effort is going to that. So their own land that they normally work to to have food for themselves, they're not able to work it. Um, There was a mounting financial burden because they mortgaged their fields and vineyards to be able to pay for grain from others. So because they couldn't provide food for themselves, they had to buy food from other people. In order to do that, they had to mortgage their lands. And those who didn't mortgage their fields, there were some who didn't, had to borrow money from other Jews to pay the king's tax. And those Jews were charging exorbitant interest rates. So they're finding themselves in a situation where they have to borrow money and these, these people that they're borrowing money from, their brothers, their Jewish brothers, are charging them rate, interest rates that were very high. And now Lastly, we see to cover this mounting debt that they have, uh, whether it be from the king's tax, from the other Jews, uh, some of them were forced to sell their children into slavery. Uh, This is a tough situation that they find themselves in. Uh, And it's made even tougher because they're trying to do the work of God. They're building uh, the wall that he asked them to do. And now they feel like they're being attacked from all over. Um, it was especially problematic that the Jews were charging interest to one another. Uh, in Exodus 22:25, 25 uh, which is the, the law of God at that time, he said, uh, you're not allowed to charge interest to one another. Uh, Jews are not allowed to charge interest. And, and that's what they were doing. Um, they were profiting off the distress of their brothers. There's a note of irony that while the Jews were repairing this wall as a protection against the outward attacks, the problem that they faced in Nehemiah 5 was in the midst of their own people. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God while the second is like it, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Nehemiah gives us a great example of how to love our neighbors who are in conflict with one another, and he does that by being accessible by getting angry and advocating, and by backing up his words with his actions. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Let's start out in in chapter 5 and verse 1. I'm going to read it again. It says, Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, With our sons and our daughters we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our field and our vineyards. Uh, So they have a list of complaints. And in uh, verse 6, it says, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. Uh, These Jews are in a tough situation, and they're crying out. And Nehemiah hears them. Um, he was accessible to his brothers. Uh, they came to him with complaints, and he was approachable. This, uh, this is really kind of interesting because we'll read later in Nehemiah that uh, he's actually a governor at this point. Um, he had been named a governor. And it was kind of interesting that this person in this position of authority was accessible to these poor Jews. He listened to them. He made himself available. Um, he had a lot of stuff going on, as we talked about the project to build the wall. He had attacks going on from the outside. Uh, other nations were coming and trying to harm them. But he took the time to listen to the people who were hurting and who were poor. Um, he didn't have to, but he did. Sometimes we are harder to get a hold of than the governor, right? <laughs> right? If somebody needs help. Sometimes we're nowhere to be found. I'll at least speak for myself. Sometimes that's me. Um, Do we ignore people? Do we ignore those in need? Um, We need to be approachable and not standoffish. Uh, We'll see that Nehemiah not only listened, but he thought and he acted on these complaints. Um, Part of being accessible, and part of uh, being accessible to our brothers specifically, is being aware of their needs. Uh... Are we aware of what's going on around us? Are we aware of the issues that our brothers and sisters face? Or do we just kind of sit in our home and say, I have enough to deal with on my own. I can't bother with somebody else's problems. Um, Sometimes being accessible is more than just being approachable, but we also need to be proactive. Um, I'm I'm really good for saying, oh, if you needed help, I would have been there for you right, right? That's, that's easy to say. Um, but that usually means that I'm sitting at my house and you have to reach out to me and tell me that you need help and then maybe I'll be able to do it. Now, I understand logistically, sometimes that's how it works, right? But also, we need to be willing. Um, sorry, I think I got my notes mixed up here. Give me a second. Um, We need to be willing to reach out to one another, not just wait for somebody to ask for help, but we need to be proactive in offering our help, checking in and caring for one another. Um, I'm not trying to have a commercial here for refuge church groups, but a really great way to do that is to be a part of a refuge church group. Um, Every other Tuesday night, we have a a gospel community, and every Wednesday night, we have a a prayer meeting, and uh, every Saturday morning, Uh, The guys have been doing this great um, men's group that I've been hearing really awesome things about. Um, When we get together in these communities and, and share with one another prayer requests, and we share with one another what's going on in our lives, it's a great opportunity to know how you can care for someone. You know what's going on in their life because you're there. You know because you're listening. Sometimes on Sunday morning it's tough to to share with one another, we, you know, you're talking to five different people or whatever the case might be, but when we get in these groups with one another, we can share what's going on in our lives, and then people can know how we need help. Or we can know how we can help others. Um, we become aware of one another's needs in these settings very easily, which is important because it's really hard to ask for help sometimes, right? I find it really hard to ask for help sometimes. And usually that's because my pride gets in the way. Um, recently, uh, T- Tammy and I are in the midst of uh, packing up and getting ready to, to move to a new house. And uh, recently, Tammy posted something on Facebook about, um, about packing or, or whatever it was. And we had all these people who were volunteering to come and help us. And I came home, you know, the strong... Christian man that I am, came home and I said to Tammy, why did you post something on Facebook? All these people think we need help now. We can take care of it. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right? And she's like, I didn't even ask for help. All these people just offered. So way to go, Refuge Church and our family. It's uh, We appreciate it. Um, but oftentimes I have a hard time asking for help. I have a hard time saying, hey, I need a hand. Um, and it's my pride that gets in the way. So On the flip side of that, if other people might have a hard time asking for help, I need to be willing to offer help without being asked, right? I need to be willing to go out of my way and say, hey, I'm here for you in this situation. If you need it, please let me know. I'm here. Um, Some of the most helpful people sometimes are pushy. That's how it goes. (laughs) Um, But not only do we need to be uh, present with one another, uh, in order to be accessible but also we need to be um, careful that we're not judgmental of one another. Uh, it's really hard to ask for help sometimes but sometimes uh, it's not just physically being there for somebody that makes you accessible. If you look at the situation that we were reading about this morning these people were talking about deep financial distress uh, they, were, they were in a lot of trouble. And it's already, ask, it's already tough to ask for help, especially with a financial need, but if you're the type of person that is always uh, judgmental of those in need, complaining about the poor or people on welfare or posting memes about the government aid and, and all these things, um, people are not going to come to you if they need help. Your accessibility is not just in the moment of physically being there, but your accessibility is, what have you said in conversations with others? Because if you've told people about how, oh, you're sick of the people living off the system, and somebody needs help financially, they're probably not gonna come to you and ask for help, right? Because in in their mind, they know, I already know what you think. So being accessible is not just in that moment of help, But being accessible is how you carry yourself. It's how you talk. It's, it's your, what your interactions are with one another. Um, this sounds like a lot, right? Like to me, I feel like uh, in my human mind, I think, I'm already helping this person. I not only have to help them, but I have to go out of their way, my way to make sure they feel comfortable to ask me for help. Well, how much is too much to show your brother the love of Christ, right? We need to be willing to put, put the effort out there. Uh, notice what the Bible doesn't say about these, uh, these people who, who brought these, this great outcry. It doesn't say that these people need to figure out their own problems. It doesn't say that these people shouldn't have gotten themselves in this mess in the first place. It doesn't say I have my own things to deal with. No. Nehemiah was very angry. He heard their outcry and these words. And in verse 7 it says, I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. He did something to help. He says, help out your brothers. We're all working towards the same goal. Right? And that goal is not financial gain. That goal is not worldly possessions. We're working towards the goal of the spread of the gospel, the spread of the love of Christ. That's what we're working towards. Uh, Recently, Ashley C. Ford, who's an author from New York, sent out a tweet that had a pretty big impact. Um, She mentioned how there are kids in school right now that have delinquent lunch accounts. Uh, What this means is that for whatever reason, they aren't able to pay and they're being given Uh, substitute meals, which usually consist of like a cold cheese sandwich and a milk. Um, She tweeted out that a nice thing you can do is contact your school district and offer to pay their tab and allow them to get a normal lunch. This led to hundreds of thousands of dollars being raised for kids to have their lunch tab paid for. It also led to a conversation that had undertones of, well, why can't these kids' parents pay for their own lunch? Uh, the focus was taken off helping a child and put on the worthiness of the parents. Ashley was asked, and she said, I sincerely just wanted to think of something really easy that people could do to make a difference locally. It was just one idea. Another school might need help with uniforms or tutoring. The point was to to do something that helps people in your community. Help one another out. So often we look at other people's philanthropic efforts and poke holes in them and all the reasons why they're not good, right? We know that United Way gives .03% of every dollar that's raised uh, to actually something that works. Well, instead of uh, complaining about these things, well, excuse me, when we complain about these things, I know for myself, I often get paralyzed I can poke holes in all the arguments about what other people are doing, but I'm not doing anything myself instead. Um, We just sit on the sidelines instead of helping. When we question the worthiness of the people who are receiving gifts, uh, we commit a grave error. I want you to listen to this. May those of us who are sinners and have received the free gift of salvation never question the worthiness of the people receiving our love and our gifts. Right? If Jesus said, how worthy is Mark for me to die for him? He wouldn't have. Help us not to say that about those around us. Don't forget, we weren't worthy of Christ's sacrifice. Nehemiah reached out and helped these people, and that was a great way to show God's love to them. And it's an example that we can follow. Nehemiah was not judgmental of the people that asked for help. Instead, he was accessible to his brothers in a time of trouble. So how did he react to being accessible and to hearing this problem? Well, this is our second point. He got angry and advocated for the oppressed. I bet you didn't think you were going to come to church this morning and the preacher was going to tell you to get angry, right? (laughs) Um, That's not normally how it goes. Um, He got angry and advocated for the oppressed. Sorry about that. Um, he recognized that there was a problem with how the Jews were treating one another, and this caused righteous anger. Uh, we often have anger that is incorrect, and we need to be wary of it, but sometimes we need to be encouraged to righteous anger. In verse six, it says, "I was very angry when I heard the outcry in their words. Um, Ephesians 4:26 says, "to be angry and do not sin." Uh, There is a time when anger is appropriate. And to be honest, uh, sin should bother us. It should make us angry. Injustice should bother us and make us angry. Uh, I hesitate to really focus on this this morning because I don't feel like uh, we live in a country right now that needs uh, prodding to be angry. (laughs) Right? Right? Uh, there's a lot of anger around right now. Uh, People are divided by politics, by race, religion, gender. There's a lot of anger. And I'm not here this morning to judge whether it's righteous anger or not. If you feel this anger, you need to to take it to God and, and find out if it's righteous anger or not. But what I am here to say is that when we have righteous anger, Nehemiah shows us what we should do with it. Because just sitting in the anger is not enough. Just being angry is not enough. Actions need to follow it. We need to do something with it. Um, this issue that he came across was not an opinion issue. This was very clear. The Jews were charging interest to other Jews. The Bible specifically said, do not charge interest to other Jews. Um, we don't need to step in the middle of every disagreement like we have a savior complex, right? Uh-huh. We're seeing that Nehemiah advocated for these people. But when your friend comes to you and tells you about how their husband or wife uh, didn't take out the trash last week, this is not your excuse to go all Nehemiah and advocate for your friend <laughs> about the trash situation in their home, right? Right. Um, this was a big issue. Uh, Jews were benefiting off of the, the pain and suffering of other Jews. Um, we need to be willing to advocate in the right scenario. So Nehemiah's response to his anger was to not take immediate action, to reflect on the problem, see the facts in proper perspective, and decide on an appropriate course of action. How we react to our anger is really important. We're called to be angry, but we're also called to react in the right way. And this is what Nehemiah did. It says, verse 7, I took counsel with myself. He thought about it. He didn't get angry and then go yell at somebody. Now, it looks like he might have yelled at somebody eventually. But but he didn't get angry and go yell at them. (laughs) Um, He got angry and he thought about it. He stopped. He says, I took counsel with myself. And then I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. The charges that he brought were based on scripture. They were biblically based. To advocate for one another, especially in a situation where it was Jewish brothers. It's important that you find out for sure from God the truth, where he stands. You don't want to stand on something that isn't biblically based. Um, This ensured that his anger was just, and he appealed to them directly. He went to the people directly and with Scripture, and he advocated. Nehemiah doesn't say when when these people come to him with this great outcry, he doesn't say, that stinks. I'm really sorry. I'll pray for you. And then leave, right? Believe me, I am, I am convicted of this this morning as, someone, as I prayed with someone who is going through a struggle this morning uh, to not allow that to just sit. Um, he didn't just say, I'll pray for you. He gets involved and he sticks up for them. Uh, I have a tendency to want to stay away from the drama. Is anybody else like that? Right? I have a tendency to want to stay away from the drama, but to be honest, and and I think that's valid, I think sometimes we want to to kind of stay away from some of that, but at some point, it isn't drama. Right? This situation wasn't drama. This was a real situation that God called Nehemiah to act and to advocate. This is brothers being oppressed and treated poorly. Um, If it's up to me, We'd come here every, morning, every Sunday morning, sit in a big circle, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya, right? I like to avoid conflict like the plague. <laughs> but there are times when we need to step up and we need to advocate for someone. We need to stick up for them. We need to stand up for them. We need to be willing to get angry and deal with things. Now, you might say, yeah, but I'm not a governor. Nehemiah was able to, to call together a council and a great assembly, and he was able to go at them because he was a governor. Well, how can I have a big impact? We live in a very interesting time. You have a voice, and you can advocate. Um, some of you guys might know Brian Fox. He's an artist from Somerset, uh, After the Super Bowl, he did a pencil sketch of Tom Brady and his daughter, and he shared it on Facebook. If you go and find that picture now, you'll see that there was 23,000 shares of that picture, of just some sketch that this guy in Somerset drew and put out on Facebook. Um, If you have your phone ready at just the right time, and you catch one of your children biting the other child's finger, you might be able to be like Charlie's parents, right? Charlie bit my finger. 846 million views on YouTube. 846 million views. That's crazy. Well, I guess 846 million and one because I had to watch it when I was doing this. But if you, if you just strike Jimmy Fallon's writers just the right way with your tweet, On Wednesday night, you can have your tweet read to millions of people on The Tonight Show, right? Social media really gives people a voice. Um, It's a very interesting and different time. We can advocate. We can make a difference. Um, And also, we happen to have an example of that here today. So I'm going to have right now Heather Denton come on up, and she's going to share her story of advocating Uh, that she's kind of been uh, going through recently.
1: I'm a little nervous, so I'm going to read what I um, had prepared so I don't kind of go off on a tangent. About three years ago, I decided that I had had enough with the stagnation in my Christian life. I wanted to do more for God, and I wanted to be obedient to whatever it was I could do for him. In loving what he loved. I prayed that God would break my heart for what breaks his. That was when I first volunteered to help the homeless in my community. For the past three years, I just basically showed up. Over this time, God has given me a great love for the homeless population in my community. I've gotten to know some of them, formed relationships with them, and prayed for them. God has truly broken my heart for what breaks his. This year, I was given the opportunity to really advocate for this population on a higher level. On February 9th, everybody knows we had this big um, snowstorm, and it was really cold. I think it was below um, 20 degrees. The Fall River Overflow Shelter that I volunteer with was able to stay open. They normally close at 7 o'clock, and the guests have to leave, but they were able to stay open as an emergency, emergency shelter for the people who were already pre-registered. But people just who are outside couldn't just come in and stay there to stay warm or get away, get out of the snow. So um, we had to turn two people away, which was absolutely heartbreaking. The hospital had sent them to us, even though the hospital has their own protocol for homeless people and what to do when homeless people come into the hospital. They sent them to us and one one woman had an obvious mental illness, and we had to put them in a taxi and send them back to the hospital. And it was just awful. So I spoke to the pastor who runs the overflow, and he told me that he had reached out to the mayor and asked what the mayor wanted to do about this upcoming snowstorm, And um, because in the past, what happens in Fall River is they open up the government center or Durfee as a warming shelter slash emergency shelter. And I was told that the mayor just brushed them off. And also, Hearts of Hope, which is a local nonprofit that assists with the homeless, they were brushed off too after trying to reach out. So that just didn't sit well with me, and I did get a little angry, um, because I had seen face-to-face what happens when you have to turn people away out into this kind of weather. So it was really, didn't sit well with me. So when I got home, I took the social media, which can sometimes be dangerous, but, I didn't have maybe the time that Nehemiah had, but I did kind of choose my words wisely when I posted. And I posted in a local Four River group, and I asked people to reach out to the mayor and just let him know how they feel about him not offering assistance to the homeless. And lots of people commented, and it got the mayor's attention, and the mayor also commented, um, and he opened the emergency shelter that night. And of course, I was the first volunteer there. And that's the thing, like you can't kind of, you have to put your money where your mouth is. You can't just say, hey, we really need to do this and then decide to not be present when it happens. Um, and Nehemiah was very present and became governor. <laughs> and not that I think I'm gonna become the governor, but um, you, ha- you, know, you have to be present and you, have to, you can't just advocate and then be like, all right, see you later, like it happens. You know, The important part is being present and following through. And on that night that they opened the emergency shelter, I had the opportunity to go out with um, one of the co-founders of Hearts of Hope in the Fall River Police Department and look for homeless people. And I had the opportunity to go into homeless encampments and the railroad tracks and all these different places, sometimes in ankle deep to neat deep snow. It was below 20 degrees. It was windy. It was freezing um, to actually look for homeless people, which Even now, just saying it out loud just sounds absolutely crazy to me. Um, But the beautiful thing about serving God is that you have to be prepared wherever he calls you. And believe me, I didn't think I would be out there looking. I never thought I would be up here today sharing this with you. I just never thought three years ago when I volunteered at the overflow shelter that I would be doing what I'm doing. Um, And I don't think I'm anything extraordinary or special, that God has this special anointing over me. I just said to God, here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, there was nothing, no recipe for, it It was just, I just showed up. And that's what I kept doing for three years. And now tomorrow is Legislative Action Day at the State House, and I have the opportunity to go and advocate for the homeless. I don't know, people are like, oh, how did that happen? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't, like, and all the glory goes to God, because I have no idea. I, you have to fill out a form, you have to get approved, you, and I just took it step by step, and was like, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it, um, so I filled out the application in faith, even though I was, and I'm, I'm scared to death, because I don't like talking to people about, and standing in front of people, I don't like doing any of that, and tomorrow, I'm going to be at the State House in Boston, in front of our representatives, like. So this is, I I don't even understand it. But I can't pass up this opportunity that God has obviously given me. And again, it's about the follow through. And now I have this opportunity to advocate for the homeless on a real level that's important. So I just couldn't, I just can't pass that up. Sorry. And just to leave you with um, this one thing that I had originally said is, you know, just show up. And let God use you, and just don't be surprised when he does. Because you could be at the state house one day. <laughs> thank you.
0: Thanks so much for sharing, Heather. And actually, we're going to uh, just take a minute and pray for Heather and for tomorrow. Um, so please join me in prayer. Dear God, we just love you. We thank you for uh, the great and crazy ways that you use us, and uh, Lord, we thank you that that you do things that are bigger than we could have ever imagined, and I pray for Heather, especially tomorrow as she goes um, to speak. Lord, I pray you would just give her peace, give her calmness, Lord, and just speak the right words through her, God. I pray that she'd be a good example for you uh, while she's there, and that uh, you would uh, just continue to find great ways to take care of those who are in difficult situations, Lord. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Um, So Heather is a great example of what I'm talking about, and she advocated. Sometimes, uh, and I think she kind of shared this as well, um, that being an advocate sounds like a really big idea. It's probably not something she expected to happen um, when she first volunteered. But we serve a really big God, and he does really big things uh, don 't you think that those people in Nehemiah, when they were trying to figure out where they were going to get food, trying to figure out how they were not going to have to sell their children into slavery, were wondering what what can happen what what can we do and God Nehemiah used Nehemiah in a great way uh, to prevent this, and his advocacy uh, his advocacy was out of love. And it wasn't simply love for the oppressed, although it certainly was. But he showed love even to those who were oppressing by not letting them stay in their sin. By confronting them with their sin. Nehemiah was quick to advocate for his brothers and his sisters. But he also teaches us an important lesson. That advocacy without action is just hypocrisy. Um, Nehemiah was available to his brothers in need first. Second, he got angry and advocated for them. And lastly, we'll see that Nehemiah backed up his words with actions. And that's kind of what Heather was talking about. Um, trust me, uh, she was there. She advocated, and day and night, she was at Government Center with these people at the warming uh, at the warming center to to offer her uh, to offer her time. But Nehemiah backed up his words with actions. I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 5, and this is uh, starting in verse 14. This is after the scripture we read earlier. It says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor, The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also persevered in the work on this wall, and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered gathered there for the work." Uh, Nehemiah didn't simply advocate for his brothers and sisters and not serve them, but he served them as well. Uh, we saw earlier in his discussion with the, rich, um, with the rich people when he came to the council, he said uh, in verse 9, uh, or excuse me, in verse 8, he said, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. Uh, He's telling them that he's already given them grain and wine and oil, and they've been exacting it back from them. Nehemiah backed up his words with his actions, right? He didn't just say it, but he did it. He was about it. Um, They were buying people out of slavery. And on top of this, he was taking less as a governor. He says, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. He could have taken that money, but he knew that other people needed it more. Uh, In an act that serves as an example of biblical principles, Nehemiah let go of the privileges of being a governor. Sometimes in our Christian walk, God requires us to let go of some of the privileges that we have in order to serve our brothers and sisters. And do you know why Nehemiah was freed from the enjoyment of these privileges, you know why he could give this stuff up, this money and this food? That's because he had experienced something better. He knew that there was something better. To love his brothers and to love God was better than those things. He cared more about the burden on others than on his own ease. And we're to care for one another. We're in community with one another. And it may require letting go of some of our freedoms. Uh, we may have the, uh, we have the freedom to give up our own wants and desires for others. Galatians five, thirteen to 15 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We can sacrifice for one another. We can sacrifice our time, our money, our rights for one another in an act of love and service. And we can do these things to show people the love of Christ. Uh, There's an important aspect of the story that I haven't really touched on too much yet. Uh, We saw first that Nehemiah was accessible to his brothers. We saw that he got angry and advocated for the oppressed and that he backed up his words with his actions. But here's the best part it worked. <laughs> uh-huh. These rich Jews who had been treating their brothers poorly were convicted of their sin and they changed their ways, even repaying what they had taken from them. God used Nehemiah and worked in their hearts to change their ways. It's worth it to stand up for your brothers and sisters. Believe me, I'm preaching this to myself because like I said, it's, it's a struggle, but it's worth it. Um, And we have the best example of an advocate in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ advocates for us with God the Father. And he gives us righteousness in the place of our own. If you came in this morning and you feel like you have nobody in your corner, that nobody has your back or nobody would stand up for you, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong, that Jesus does. He wants to stand up for you. He took your punishment so that you don't have to. He came to this earth and died to pay for your sins. He wants to advocate for you. Uh, Will you trust him? And brothers and sisters, are you available to those around you? Are you accessible to those in need? Are you willing to get angry and to do something about injustice? Are you perpetrating injustice on someone else? In the middle of a story about building a wall, God shows his people that they didn't need to simply rise up and build the wall, but they needed to rise up and build a strong community. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, we're so grateful for you. We're grateful that you sent your son, that he advocates for us, Lord. God, we're grateful your love and for your word and for your peace. I pray as we go out this week, Lord, that we're accessible to those around us, that we open ourselves up to those in need, and that if we're in need, that we open ourselves up to accept help. God, I pray that we would advocate for our brothers. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, at this time, we're going to,